get started. Uh, I am Seth Partnow. This is the Colin Shots podcast on the Colin app. I am joined today by uh, my friends here at Sohi of, uh, of The Ringer. Um, we first potted together, I want to say, I was I had Fred Katz on um, about two weeks ago, and, and we were reminiscing about how long we've been doing oh basketball God. content together, and I was just thinking about that. I believe the first time we ever uh, was was around 2014 playoffs. Does that sound right? Yeah, to you? for Clipper blog, right? Yeah, for the the late lamented Clipper blog, which uh, um, many notable alumni. Um, sh- uh, shouts to Kevin Arnovitz. Anyway, I wanted to have uh, have have seared on. I wanted I wanted to have her on since I started the show. Um, you recently kind of moved from a role, kind of doing day to day. I don't want to say minutia, but certainly day to day content to a more longer term kind of features uh, situation. And I feel like, uh, and we talked about this, I don't know, about a month ago um, off air, um, that that's given you uh, ability to kind of see the league from a broader perspective. And too often when we say broader perspective, that means we're, we're, we're talking about like transactions and salary caps and draft picks and stuff like that. But even that's sort of minutia in a way to me. So um more in, in almost geologic terms, it feels like you probably have a better view than you did, you know, before before you got to the ringer. So, first of all, is that fair? Oh, yeah, I, th- I think oh, every year that you cover the league, it gets it gets a little broader, right? Like you just get used to what's happening on the surface level, I guess, and then get more interested in the next thing and then the next thing, uh, which is, which it's been really fun, but yeah, geologically, geometrically, I think <laughs> the league has changed a lot this year. Uh, it's, it's really interesting how different teams are playing and there's a lot more creative tactics and there's no really uniform way of playing, which is kind of ironic because I think the NBA has gotten a reputation for being kind of the same um like all the you know the offenses are so heliocentric there are a lot of three-point shooters and you know and I mean we, we we know all the cliches about all the games are the same but it just doesn't really feel that way when you watch like you know different types of defensive coverages and um just there's 40 different ways to score in one position too so yeah so what are you know what are some of the things that, that you've you've kind of picked up in the kind of trends in the league that, that you found most interesting? Um, that's a good question. Let's talk about John Moran. Um, okay. Or, <laughs> so, I, can talk, I can talk for hours about John Moran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one thing that I've been kind of playing around with this week is just the idea of not having a rim protector on defense and trying to win a championship now. And I mean like a rim protector, like a seven footer who can kind of get up there and block some lobs and be like the fourth line of defense, because that's essentially what you need now. Um, And it's not just jaw. I think it's like Luca too, uh, but two guys that score really efficiently in the paint and relentlessly and are pretty much unsolvable. Um, you'd still want to have really good isolation defenders against them, but it feels like you almost need everything now. Well, I, I might almost go the other way with it. I mean, I, I mean, 
uh, I don't know how much have you caught of of uh, the fifty two point game he had against the Spurs earlier this week. Yeah. Um, but Jakob Pertl is one of the best rim protectors in the league, and you know it wasn't just the dunk, which was you know if you know if you're if you're a good rim protector, that that that's sort of something that that just happens to you sometimes. It wasn't just that, but he. You know, uh, they they tried to have him double out and switch. He tried to lay back and sit in the paint. Everything that that Pirtle tried in terms to of, of trying to keep Morant from scoring to the basket, it kind of didn't matter. And it was so it's almost his his speed and and slitheriness almost like neutralized that that size element. So I I mean, I almost wonder if you know. As as one of the foremost defenders of Rudy Gobert uh, <laughs> over the last couple of years, I, I I do kind of wonder if that if that you know just team wide lateral quickness is just more important for success at the higher highest level now than having one very large man standing very close to the rim. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's, I guess, and sometimes it just doesn't matter, right? right. That's the beauty of draw. <laughs> um, there are a lot of players now that have kind of, even when you feel like they're out of a move, they just kind of like, they find a step through or they pass fake and they get somebody off balance. And like with Jaw, you combine that with his athleticism and just like this sort of natural kind of uncanny movement that he has, this, this ability to just like, like you said, slithery is probably the best way to put it. It's a hard way to just, it's a hard thing to describe. Um, and yeah, it does become a little bit impossible. But I think with Yak, it's just he's he's a really great rim protector. But I also think you need somebody who is really just incredible at reading what the guy is going to do next. Um, and I don't necessarily think that Yak has that, but I do think Gobert does. Like I actually think that's one of the worst matchups they could have gotten in the first round last year. They could have got, gone a little bit farther, maybe uh, because. You know, as we've seen this season, he's pretty much unstoppable in the paint. And uh, it actually, like, ironically, I think it actually kind of highlights the value of, of a guy like that or a value of, like, a guy like the only team to me that has everything you'd want defensively right now is the Suns. And I think DeAndre Ayton is a guy who is also pretty good at reading what perimeter players are going to do. Um so yeah, that's that's kind of the way I I've been coming at it. Um, and in general, I feel like we are undervaluing rim protection right now, um, even though it's something that's proven to be really effective. And it's also it's like it's almost so intuitive that that we kind of forget about it. Uh, but even if you look like a team like the Celtics, like just how much better Time Lord is playing and like how he's figured out things defensively. Obviously, trading for Derek White helped too, but like they figured out so much defensively just because he's starting to come along now. No, you you said the one team that has everything you need said the Suns. I was, I was like, well, can, can we throw the Celtics in there right now too? Um, but you know, it's it, it's funny that that I'm the one having to be talked into to rim protection as an important thing. But I, <laughs> you've brought me back. I I, I wavered in my in well. My look, Giannis thing. just won the finals, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, we're kind yeah. of. I, it feels like we kind of ignored the reasons why the Bucks won because of the injury luck that they had. Yeah, but and 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 it's almost the the fact that that you know you look who isn't there for them this year. Uh, it's Brook Lopez, and you know I I obviously see the 
you know, living here, I see the Bucks mm. more than any other team, and and the, the, it is noticeable that uh, that you know, like I, I I do wonder if if Giannis has had the same level of defensive impact this year, in part because he's having to do that to do more of that sort of anchor role that that you know Brooke Brooke provided. So you, you've talked me back in. You've talked. You, I was. I, I wavered. We did it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> defense wins champions. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a specific. I mean, it's it's more than that. It's the paint wins championship. It's it's getting to the mm-hmm. basket and preventing the other team from from doing the same. Um, that was that's what, sort of one of the the interesting things about you know the, it was almost a, a mis uh, a misdiagnosis of of the Warriors. Is it was okay the the spectacularness of or spectacularity, whatever of uh, the spectacle of, of you know of, <laughs> of Clay things. yeah of of Clay and Steph you know shooting from wherever, but you know where they won games was because of those threats they got layups they got dunks like Steph is is like his three point shooting is obviously otherworldly but the reason he's an MVP is because he also can get to the basket and finish. And on the other end, they, you know, that was the, that was what the death lineup did was it was small, but it didn't matter because you couldn't get the ball anywhere near the basket because they had, you know, four long rangy guys who could switch and prevent you from getting anywhere. And then Steph obviously has, you know, great, great sort of nose for the ball in, in help situations. So I, that, that, I, I guess you're right. It's, it's sort of, I'm losing. I'm losing track of 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 my fundamental beliefs by <laughs> by by being seduced by the the church of uh, or, or the the anti drop coverage fundamentalism that that seems crops up towards the playoffs every year. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like this might be a good time to have a conversation about small ball and where it stands because. I mean, we'll see it in the playoffs, how well it works. Uh, but I'm really curious to see how this version of the Warriors, obviously, like, this is assuming they're all healthy, which feels like maybe it might be an assumption right now. Um, but now, when you've got Nikola Jokic in the West, um, I would hate to d- doubt Draymond Green. Uh, but we also watched them last year, like really have a hard time against a team like the Memphis Grizzlies, who has like a really tough interior, um, and 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 they get to like be, you know beyond Jaw, and that now it's Stephen Adams. But you know just the amount that they were able to pummel the basket and and, and get offensive rebounds, and now Jaron Jackson is healthy and he is taking the next step. Uh, that's a really scary team um, for for anybody. Like you know just like how many. Uh, how many defenders, I guess, is Draymond Green expected to be responsible for? And that goes for, you know, Kavon Mooney, too, and, you know, Andre Godala, if he's healthy as well. And, you know, just it's a lot of leaning on those small ball principles, which have worked for the Warriors, but it's just I think it's just going to be harder now than it was when they won a championship. Uh, but I think that the that – the, um... The development hasn't. Everyone's focused on the league becoming more switchy and stuff like that. It's more the the side benefit is because you're getting more of these kind of swing forward type players. There's more guys who can do things with the ball on the floor. When it's not just shoot, it's guys who can, you know, the, the you know dribble, pass, and shoot. So mm-hmm. that like the small ball worked because there was okay. Well, 
you know, if if we have to if we scramble and switch and then have to close out to Danny Green, you know, okay, he might make some jumpers on us, but we don't we don't really care if, if Danny Green's attacking closeouts against us. Um, but now, if that if that player is now, I don't know who's like Mikhail Bridges, obviously is, is probably that archetype now, and he is already better, kind of you know, pump fake two dribbles to the middle of the paint, better than. Danny Green was at any any point in his career, and so if that's the development of, of sort of the uh, the high end role player, then it's not just it's not the it's not the defensive you know versatility as much as it is that the having you know guys who can do stuff with the ball all over the floor, and that's that, that it, frankly that's another area where where Phoenix is pretty well equipped because you know even even the guys who are primarily shooters like Cam Johnson has expanded his game this year. Uh, Jay Crowder is willing to try stuff, even if it isn't always <laughs> pretty. But yeah, so it, it... yeah, it's either two teams that I look at and think they are just really well equipped for the playoffs. Um, just just like for the for the amount of matchups that you that you see and how diverse you have to be is like probably the Bucks, the Heat, and the Suns, in that they have really incredible one-on-one defenders at every position, um, help defenders, like guys who could hold their own and not need that much help. Um, so they all, and, and they all communicate really well and they've now all been playing together long enough that they, they almost like they're, they're really, really on a string and they're really reactive. Um, and they make good reads. Um, I think like what, what like Kyle Lowry is, is just done for the communication of the heat defense, which was already like, you know, pretty top line and, and PJ Tucker too, like guys who can plug and play defensively and have seen every situation, um, has been just really interesting to watch because like on the other end, they like, they still have Bam out of bio. So like interior and obviously Jimmy Butler, um, interior wise, like it's, it's, they can kind of adjust to potentially every look. And I think you really need that now because the other end of it is that there are so many guys that can just catch lobs now. Um, so you need a guy that can jump in and, and get them like even like the, the nets and like, you know, we kind of, I, I think it's, we kind of laugh at it in, in some way because, and I think that's somewhat right because having a dependency on these guys in the way that a team like the Lakers does is not a good thing, but you know, the Sixers don't have Andre Drummond anymore. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, they, they, they kind of like, they, they want to go after potentially DeAndre Jordan. And like that, that sounds like, okay, but, but why? But it's really good to have one of those guys off the bench. You're not going to play them in every playoff series, but just being able to throw them into a scenario where another team might be trying to play small or, you know, probably more advantageous would be just like a team playing traditionally, but they just don't have like, a big man that is going to be like able to, to get Andre Drummond out of the way. Um, and that's, that's beneficial in, in certain spurts. If uh, John Hollinger was listening right now and I'll do it for him, he'd be making like the LeBron meme hand, hand gestures at Paul Reed right now for, for talking about, you know, the Sixers want a lob thread. It's like, it's right there. But, uh, <laughs> but you don't, but uh, doc has his guys, as we know from, uh, from his stint, stint as, uh, as, as rock divers, as the, uh, as, as the GM as well. Um, no, I think that that's like, that, that's not, that almost ties back to what you started with is that, that there's so many ways that, that teams go about scoring that to go through four playoff series. And I feel like 
um, you know, you, you, you potted with, with Chris Ryan a couple weeks ago about, about, you know, this may be the end of the super team and maybe the best teams in the league aren't as good as say the KD warriors were, but there's a lot of pretty good teams. And, and so it's not just, okay, we're going into the playoffs. So we need to load up on guys who can stop Giannis. You know, it used to be, you know, around, around, you know, 2001 or something. It's like, we need bodies to throw at Shaq if we're in the Western Conference. I don't think you could do that anymore because there's just, there's so many, you know, if you're going through, if you're looking at going through the East playoffs, like you have to worry about stopping everyone from, from Joel Embiid to possibly, depending on whether they can get their stuff together over the last couple weeks of the season, to Trey Young. And, you know, obviously there, there isn't, a single defender in the league who can even plausibly match up with both of those players. And there's not a single system that um, really uh, uh, appreciably bothers both of those two players and how they, how they'd like to play. So I think that, that to that end that you're, I think you're right that being able to do multiple things, but it's almost like the pendulum has swung too far. Oh, these, these exclusively drop teams, are are vulnerable to this it's like that's been taken too far until like oh drop coverage is bad it's like eh, no against if you're not playing against trey young like if you're not playing against you know james harden if you're not playing against steph curry then then maybe you know drop coverage probably is is not a terrible idea against i don't know memphis even if if jaw is going to try to you know jump in the air do a 360 and lay the ball in yeah, I think that's kind of where it comes back down to personnel, right? Like drop coverage is fine, probably against him if you have the right guy. Nothing is really fine against him right now. But I think like a guy that I think it really works well against is maybe Donovan Mitchell. Um, I think you can use it against the Nuggets. Like you can probably use it against the, the Timberwolves. Um and yeah, it's just like you just gotta have everything now. It's why I kind of like I like what the Bucks have done this season. Uh, where they're just kind of continued to experiment more with like different defensive coverages and stuff. Like I, I love that they're just blitzing more because they're terrifying when they do that too. Um, like there's just there's very little you can do when when Drew Holiday and Giannis just decide to go aggro on you at the same time. Then Chris Middleton's just like there, or like you got Giannis playing free safety in these situations as well. It's just it's it's really tough. Um, and it just makes them a little bit more versatile. And it's, it's kind of ironic because, like, we've been talking a lot, I think, about this whole season. We've been talking, I think, about teams that are theoretical. Um, the Sixers, obviously, now are less theoretical. And they look like the, the first early look at James Harden and, and Joel Embiid is, is pretty terrifying. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the Nets and Raptors just played uh, back-to-back games. Uh, no Kyrie Irving, which, by the way, that's going to be – if if that's – so right now, 7-8 is Raptors-Nets, um, which means that if that becomes the play-in game, um, that... Whichever way, right? Where, where, whether it's in Toronto or in Brooklyn. Yeah, like, you know where I'm going with this. There's no yeah. Kyrie Irving. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, that, that was, like, that was really fascinating to, to me to watch. And, and on the other end, obviously, like, you, you have the Lakers, um, who you know, like decide, decided to try yesterday and it just wasn't good enough. And now they're still 
Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious if they'll even be in play, play in range. They're only like two, two games back at the Pelicans right now. I still feel like they will be, but they're going to be like, they're going to have to, they're going to have to play that, that, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that game, win, like win that game and then win like the seven, eight game in order to make the playoffs, uh, which, you know, I don't know, like you, there's not really like they, they have a t- tough the, stretch ahead of them. And it's like, are right. they even going to, are they like, where are they going to be in 10 games? I have no idea. And with the Nets, you know, like still like we're, we're waiting for Ben Simmons to come back. Uh, KD's still out. Um, and Kyrie, even, even like as, as it gets closer that he might be able to play, like we're still not in the situation where he can. And just watching that game, it was just kind of a reminder of like, man, a lot of these, like the, the super team in, in this, the super teams in this scenario are just still like, we're still kind of waiting for them. Um, and the teams that have been together are just looking way more dangerous. I got to say the the I was at the the Nets beat the Bucks on Saturday and and Kyrie looked pretty good. And that I mean that's so I mean one thing you you um this is one of those um in 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 no way do you have to give it to him. But in this But you but do. He is, you do. He is, you do a little bit. But but he but, but, but watching he did, that game like, like you just kind of saw that it would have been amazing for them to have him in the playoffs. Just, he's an incredible isolation scorer and he's so creative that like even for those defenders it's like okay yeah you get you can get a hand in his face but he's Kyrie Irving like he just has this ability to make tough shots that has you know can withstand a team like the Bucks. what's that it's not just that I mean it's more just the fact that for a a sort of a a part-time player who didn't get a training camp and didn't you know play most of the first season he he has managed to keep himself in incredible shape which you know that hasn't always been the case in his career but that's you do have to say that that you know for the games he is available he is he is ready to play big minutes and and you know that's and that's uh, you know to the extent you want to give him credit for anything that you do have to you do have to acknowledge that you know as compared to other perhaps former teammates of his who didn't necessarily aren't necessarily noted for doing the same thing uh, during a long layoff in terms of, of James Harden. Though of course he's he, he gets to he gets to Philly and, and all of a sudden looks spry again. So who knows? Yeah, I mean honestly, you, you don't you kinda gotta give it to him too, you know? <laughs> it's strange. On a on a cynical level, yeah. It's like, okay, well good job you. Um yeah. No, I, I wanted to go back to, to, to the the Bucks just for a second and and they made they I think I'm normally not a big buyout guys matter. I don't. I usually think they don't. But for that kind of aggressive style you're talking about, um, like a, a trap of, of Drew Holiday and Javon Carter um, is is going to be, especially a team that has you know a, a not a, a kind of a non top end point guard. Like I can see that being thrown at say the Celtics a lot you know they have their their point guards are you know the guys who are going to be bringing the ball up the floor are going to be Marcus Smart and Derek White and Peyton Pritchard um obviously it'll be you know Tatum and Brown a fair amount too but if they're running like a more traditional you know lead guard um I don't really love the chances of any of those three players of getting them into offense consistently against ball pressure from Holiday and Carter 
I think that's a really good point. And I think, you know, maybe the smart thing to do with buyout guys and even just, you know, the, the role players that you have is just to, if you can find players who really fit into your system and actually can kind of plug and play into it, then I think it can be really valuable. I think the Suns kind of did a similar thing uh, with how they approached the trade deadline in the offseason. It's not like they changed too much of who they are. It was just like, let's add some reinforcements. Like when Aiden goes to the bench, like let's have, Let's have Jim, JaVale McGee. And then, you know, picking up Biombo, like that, that is actually one, one, um, I guess not, not necessarily a bio pick, uh, pick up, but just somebody who was around um, that got to play during the, by the way, doesn't the, the COVID frenzy of like all, all these guys getting opportunities just feel like that was a year ago and it was only like December that that happened, December and January. Um, yeah, it was, it was six weeks ago, basically. It, it uh, <laughs> I, I wrote a story about it, I guess, at the beginning of February, and, and it was it was basically like there was six weeks of games where it basically resembled the last two weeks of the season in terms of who was playing, and then kind of right almost back to normal in terms of, yeah. of who's getting minutes. It's been a big. It's one of those things that makes this season so hard to call. Is you know we 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 count on at this point of the season, all right, we, we, we know what these teams are because there's, you know, 60, 65 games of everyone trying. It's like, yeah, everyone's trying, but there's so many of those games. Like a third of the season was um, inconsistent matchups, shall we say, whether teams have guys out or their opponents have guys out or they have more guys out than their opponent or vice versa. So kind of what to take from so many of those games is you have to, you have to really – you can't even ten thousand foot it. You really have to. Well, does that does that game matter for for what we does that game predict anything, or is it just there's too many random guys playing? Like I have no idea what to expect of the Nets in in the postseason. Like none, nothing. Like okay, even if if Kevin Durant comes back healthy, and and Kyrie's like even you know best case scenario, KD and and, and Ben Simmons are healthy and ready to go, and Kyrie's able to play every game. I have no idea what that looks like. With that, you know, with those three plus whichever guys in their supporting cast end up, you know, getting, get, end up, you know, filling those other rotation slots, and you know that I it it uh, it certainly makes it um, interesting as a viewer, but um, um, terrifying as someone who has to try to make predictions about it. Um, I was just asking you, what would you have as in that starting lineup if they were all healthy? I mean, who are they playing? Like, I think you can. I think you can play in certain matchups. You can play Simmons at the five, and in certain you can't. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think you can do. You can't do that against Milwaukee and Philly. But can you do that against Miami? I think so. Can you do it against Boston? Maybe. I mean, that's that's a, that's a really interesting matchup if if Boston's going to wants to play kind of big themselves. Um, that, that 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 that's an interesting challenge on both ends of the floor. If it was if it was kind of KD and and uh, and Simmons matched up against Robert Williams and Al Horford, like I think that's I think the quickness edge to the Nets probably wins. But considering that they are a mediocre rebounding team overall, anyway, maybe Boston just gets every offensive rebound and 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 and, and Brooklyn was is the team that has to adjust. I don't know. Um, so I think it, it, it kind of depends. I mean, I think we know that Patty Mills is going to be 
getting, you know, rotation minutes because he's, you know, he's, he's been good all season. We know Seth, Seth Curry's probably in any given lineup just because whoever they have, they, they're going to need, you know, spacing and shooting. And, and he's obviously an, an elite shooter. Um, like of their bit of their like true big shout out to um, Rob Mahoney, by the way, who wrote an article about, um, Seth Curry being like the perfect role player in, in mind and also in role. Um, and it, the, the article was on the ringer and it opened with kind of this idea that, you know, he's, he's kind of perfect where he is. Um, and what it's like when a guy like that is asked to like kind of stretch beyond his regular, what we, what we perceive to be, I guess, his limitations. And he's one guy that just seems very okay with, with who he is. Um, and is now very much in a position where, that is just not going to be um, what's asked of him, right? Like he last night against the Raptors, like he was kind of their crunch time guy. <laughs> uh, but anyway, keep going. That, no, look, but just a little plug for the teammate. Yeah, <laughs> no, but the, the thing is, is it's like as the fourth or fifth guy on the floor, like having you know that gets back to what we said earlier about you know having just more guys who can make plays with the ball. Like Seth Curry is more than just a spot up shooter, so if he you know, okay, it didn't work out last night, but it's it's plausible that he can be a crunch time guy. So if the ball finds him at the end of a shot clock, that's not a disaster for Brooklyn. But but in terms of who plays for them, I mean those two those two small guards and Aldridge are the only ones that I'm sure are gonna get minutes. Other than that, I don't really know. And I think if you ask Steve Nash right now, I don't know I don't think he'd know either. I would probably prioritize Blake over Lamarcus in the postseason. Um, I just, I just don't feel like he's going to hold up. But it kind of, it's interesting. I feel like this ends up being, this might end up being the Eastern Conference version of. I think the conversation we'll probably have about the Warriors. Oh, small I, ball too. You know what? I, I could, of course, Drummond. I could like, I did, I was, he, he had twenty rebounds on the game I was just at. So of course, like that's that, that was the player I was trying to think of who was their like most. And he he's not a guy who can give you thirty minutes a game in most playoff series, I think. But he's he'll probably get eighteen, twenty, twenty four in most matchups. Well, if he can if he can actually just like manhandle Giannis of all people the way that he did in that <laughs> put yeah. back in the fourth quarter, um, which was or and and like you know getting getting those uh those chase like two blocks on him too, and one of them was like kind of chase downy as well. <laughs> it was like very surprised to see to see him do that. Um, but it just shows you, like, it's it's a new look, and, like, that level of power is just really difficult to deal with, even for um, the Bucks. So it's, it's good that they have that look. I wonder how much they'll be able to lean on it, because I don't think they have, like, I don't think that he's a reliable, um, I guess, big ball option consistently. I think, like, there's a lot of series where, you know, you can just kind of take him out by switching guys onto him, um, which ironically is, I guess... It is something the Bucks could do, but they are a team that, I guess, because they lean more into the other direction, would not be the best situated to do that. Like, I think Chris Middleton is probably the best sort of like put Drummond on an island candidate on that team, and you know, you like you can definitely go to that. Um, but I think there's other teams in 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 the East where, like, you know, in a series series against the Hawks, hypothetically. Or you know a series against the Heat, it's just like it's they're, like they're just gonna find a way to 
to have have like Duncan Robinson just coming off of a screen and or, or Tyler Hero and just just like popping threes in his face. Uh, but yeah, so like I, I'm curious because like it, it'll it, it's good that they have the look, but um, you know I think I would say like Blake at the five might be their biggest sort of, or maybe maybe it's KD at the five, uh, which I I think that probably presents rebounding issues um especially losing Harden um I feel I you know and, and you know like Simmons can probably pl- plug in and uh yeah he'll probably plug that hole uh but yeah it's gonna be tricky it's gonna be tricky and like you know at the end of the day maybe it's just they they, they shoot the lights out and it doesn't matter but that will be kind of that's gonna be the, the biggest question I'm kind of going into the playoffs with among many no it's it's sort of you're you just you know you're just talking through it like okay the, if, if especially if Brooke Lopez is out, like the Bucks don't necessarily have the heft to to like okay they can like you say they can they can get him switched on to actions involving like Middleton or something like that. But on the other end, like he can just walk his his man down under the basket and get you know six seven eight offensive rebounds every night. But against the Heat, like they have you know and guys like you know PJ Tucker and Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, they probably have more guys who can sort of physically, you know, withstand that to, to at least, you know, to, to not get beat so bad on, on, on the defensive boards that, you know, that Drummond's limitations, his own limitations defensively, you know, guarding motion, um, you know, that, that kind of flips, flips the matchup on his head. It's it, like, you can go, you can go through all so many of the, of the, you know, six, seven, eight, nine teams and just the ways that each of them match up with each other. And it's, it's fascinating because, you know, like we said earlier, there's not one team, even, even Phoenix, like there's not one team that you, you just think is a complete powerhouse. Yeah. I really didn't see this conversation turning into like who in the Eastern conference is going to be able to stop Andre Drummond, but I'm really, <laughs> I'm really here for it. Though. Like, I'm, gl- I'm glad that this is where, this is where we're landing. <laughs> well, but there's, but there's going to be so many of these little things. Like there's, yeah. there's guys, there's, there's, there's players who have, who are going to swing series either positively or negatively for their team that have, that will have very defined strengths and weaknesses. And it's like, which one of those wins out, which, you know, it's almost a, the, 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 one of those things that I always look for in a playoff series is kind of which coach blinks first to get away from, from, from what they want to do, because mm, that's, we're, we're getting the worst of that matchup. Um, oftentimes I think they do so wrongly. I mean, this was always the, you know, we, to, to go back to the Clipper blog days when, when, uh, when, when Doc would, would take uh, DeAndre Jordan out of the game when the other team was, was going, going hack a DJ. It's like, no, like, even he doesn't even have to make half his free throws for this to be good for you. It's like don't 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 you know don't foul your your own guy out because because they're because uh, the other team like is willing to put him at the line every time. So um, especially when like I don't even remember who it was that they had in like don't like, get me who was backup at the time. <laughs> I don't who remember was? who it was, but I remember it being somebody who like you know could kind of spell some. Like they were, I mean, they were playing Lamar Odom at times. Like that team was just that, that team was really thin defensively. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but they were stuff. also, but it was also like they, the, the, you know, this not to not to go off on a rant and a tangent here, but it's like okay, they're, you know, they, <laughs> it, it, he, the, the rotation would it would be time for Jamal Crawford to be in the in the game, and the opposition would start hacking DJ, and Jamal Crawford would stay in the game. It's like, but you're you're playing only defense. 
for this this for however long you're keeping DJ in the game. You're playing only defense, and Jamal Crawford is still in anyway. Um, That's a very we good don't point. Well, yeah, we don't like you know. I, I felt myself going back into that place. I actually met I met a diehard Clippers fan um, a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about that Lob City team, and it was so cathartic. Um, so luckily, luckily for the listeners, I've kind of gotten it out of my system. Otherwise, I think I might have just completely indulged a wormhole. Uh, right now, the Nets. Let's say, let's say they like if they get to if they get to the seven seed. Um, or, you know, actually, you know, it's, it's all play-in now. I'm still getting used to that. They would, okay, so like, right now, in the scenario for, like, the first-round seed that they would – or, sorry, the, the first-round matchup that they'd have would be against the Bulls. Um, they the got to feel are, okay about that. Sorry? They got to feel okay about that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I would say so. Be like, the, the Bulls are a team that, like, isn't going to be able to put, like, the level of interior pressure that would – you know, cause the Nets to crater. Like, I feel like, you know, they'll have, like, Vucevic is going to have some very pretty uh, box scores and, you know, may- maybe win a game or two, but I don't really see him being, like, a series-ending problem for the Nets. And then on the other end, um, I think the Bulls' perimeter defense is actually, like, incredibly situated to, to deal with the Nets, but it's just, like, the-, the stuff that they can get going on the interior because of the pressure that they create. Uh, that's, that's like, kind of my biggest worry with the Bulls, um, is that, like, you know, even if it's not the Nets, then you're at- then they're actually dealing with, like, the real matchup troubles that they'd have, uh, which is, you know, guys like Joel Embiid and, and Giannis and... I mean, we haven't talked about Joel Embiid this entire podcast as we talk about kind of like this uh, this big man renaissance and how do you deal with an impossible scenario? Yeah, no, that's that, – I mean, that that is um, – it's funny, though, that like one of the, the, the nice things about Drummond on the Sixers this year was we were spared of the – well, we can't, take, we can't take Joel out for even two minutes because we lose. And now, like, they're almost right back in that spot. And a may and maybe with with Harden there, it, it it's not quite as bad, but it just you know the last how many years in the playoffs, it's it's you know the the you take him out for four minutes like they they lost the Hawks series basically at the first four minutes of the fourth quarter every game, that's you know and some of that was you know insisting on playing Dwight Howard every game and you know and and never letting never letting Simmons play center against like John Collins or something like that, but you know. That's neither here nor there, um, but it's it, but we're sort of right back in the, in that spot of of they just of, of can they survive the minutes Embiid sits, and I just don't know. Well, it kind of brings us full circle here because I think earlier, like in the podcast, we were talking about DeAndre Jordan and why it actually kind of makes sense that the Sixers. I mean, I guess, you know, yes, but... You made the point. You made the point yourself. I mean, I get it, you know, but, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, ch- sure, but is the... Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I, I don't... I think I think that, that you know, for as, as much as we enjoyed his stylings during Lob City, I think that, that we've, you know, seen enough and kind of the the past all-star backup big for the Sixers is, is, is sort of a, a movie we don't need to see again after last year. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like he's, so last season, 
he had a couple good moments defensively in the regular season against Giannis. And if he can just be another body, if he can be six fouls, like I think, yeah. I think that's what you're looking for. That's fair. That's fair. Um, no, and that's and that's sort of where, you know, that that you know, you again, we're talking the matchup games, and that's that's sort of what you know. Can Serge Ibaka do that against Philly for for the Bucks, or do you, or they just try to go the complete other way and say, all right, well. We're not going to be able to stop him on the inside, but he's got to he's going to have to chase Giannis or Bobby Portis or or whoever else all over the floor. And and we think well we can we can play that, you know I don't know if we can play it even, but we can play that to not losing that one matchup too bad. And just you know wondering wondering the sort of the the, the cloud of when does Brook Lopez come back and and how much does he have left? It's I. I have no idea what's going to happen. I, you know, I changed my mind on a daily basis who I like, there was, you know, uh, I, 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 uh, I caught myself, uh, uh, a friend stopped by my house on Sunday and I was, I was, uh, you know, the, um, I think the Celtics are going to win the East. And then I kind of did some research and it's like, mm, maybe not. Um, it's like, I kind of started to look into, you know, a lot, their, their record is underwhelming because they were pretty bad in clutch situations before the, before the the, uh, the the turn of the year, and then I did some historical research, and it turns out that the uh, the set of teams that sort of underperforms their overall performance in clutch games in the regular season uh, is, is pretty littered with with teams that were playoff disappointments, and, and and on the other way where the Suns are one of the you know the great clutch teams of all time, you got a lot of Warriors and like you know the seventeen eighteen. Uh, 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 rockets and and you know some of the 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 thirteen fourteen Spurs kind of up there. It's like a lot of really good like finals level teams. So that kind of talked me back out of the Celtics again. So I have I have no idea. Hey, it's a make or miss league, man. It's a make or miss <laughs> league. <laughs> yeah, but that that actually makes a ton of intuitive sense because if you look at the Celtics, they are kind of like the perfect team to give you a really hard time in the second round, but just not have like the, the offensive firepower to, to actually be able to go toe to toe with a contender for seven games. And that's like, interestingly, that's kind of like what the story of like the, the Tatum Brown era Celtics has been. Yeah. I, I want to, I want to say they have, they have just a little bit. They, if they, if Derek white was just a little bit better of a shooter, like I, I, you know, I I think I would probably feel it, it 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 seems like there's so like there's a line that you have to be above that line to have enough creation enough shooting and it feels like they're just below that line in terms of having enough creation and having enough shooting and if they just were just like you know five percent better in each they'd be they'd be super dangerous and they might be super dangerous anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, it's so, I, that's that's so true about them actually I feel, like, I feel like it really applies to a lot of what ails them or has ailed them um you know if, if Jalen Brown had five percent less tunnel vision and like you know J- Jason Tatum was just like who is like you know coming along was just like you know five percent better shot selection and playmaking and you know Marcus Smart was like five percent more reliable as and and you know Al Horford was just a little bit more of what he was and like was more of a playmate had more of a playmaking impact like there's a version of this team that could really like their offense could really really sing and there's times that it does but it just feels like there's a lack of 
consistency and that which which makes sense because it does require all of those guys to be at their absolute best to be like you know they're individually like rolling all cylinders and making like the the 50 50 decisions that they don't always get right like get getting those right but that does also make them scary because they are young and then you know like i expect like like the suns for example like you said cam johnson somebody who's made a lot of progress. I like the thing I've been dealing with the Suns is that Mikhail, Mikhail Bridges is having like the DeAndre Ayton growth season that, that Ayton had last season. And Cam has kind of stepped into Mikhail's role of like, okay, well, like we'll, we'll, we'll take a few dribbles in and like, we'll try some floaters. And, you know, sometimes it's going to be the wrong decision, but we're going to, we're going to continue to, you know, just take these reps and maybe, you know, come April 15th, a team like the Celtics is kind of what we need them, what they need to be. But then you, but then, you know, to go back on it, like who's, who's like their, their best floor spacer in their rotation. It's probably Grant Williams. And I love Grant Williams. And, but it's just like, oof, <laughs> just, just saying that is oof. Uh, in terms of just, you know, as, as teams, you see, this is, this is, this is how I spend my time thinking about the playoffs is it's, is it, I thought this last year and it's even more so the case this year. It's, it's sort of, if the, if the princess bride scene with the, uh, can clearly not choose the wine in front of you, except if there's like eight seats at the table. And this is why I can't, this is why I can't drink that cup. And this is in, um, it, it, it's, you know, I, I, I find it much easier to talk myself out of everyone than into anyone. I think that's the right way to approach it because that's kind of what the playoffs become. Like they, the playoffs are reductive, especially when it comes to weaknesses. Like this has always been the Ben Simmons issue, um, which might not be an issue on a team like the Nets, but there's a reason every, people didn't focus on his strengths. It's because it comes down to your weaknesses. And that's ultimately what happened last year. And it's kind of what, you know, is, has been the story of his, his short career is that, you know, when you have such an obvious weakness and you are that good, um, people are going to try to exploit it. It's almost like you're 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 too good to be able to hide. Like if if it, uh, if, uh well this isn't Duncan Robinson this this isn't a good series for you. Okay, that's fine. But all of a sudden, if it's if it's suddenly like you know someone higher up, if it's Tyler Hero, this isn't a good series for you. That's pretty devastating for or or not that it's not a good series, but if it's like to the point where we don't know if we should even play you. Like that's actually pretty devastating for Miami. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Like you can't really you can't really get away with not playing those guys, like from a tactical level, but also a narrative level too, where you might be able to with with a player like Hero. I, mean, I can't imagine a scenario where you couldn't play him in a series. Um, but even you know, like even with Ben, it's like they couldn't actually not play him. It wouldn't have been good for them. Um, even, even the version of himself that, that he, he wasn't like the, towards the end of that Hawk series. Um, yeah, it's really, it's, it's, it's a conundrum, I guess. It's a conundrum. <laughs> All right. So we, we, we spent the bulk of this time talking about the Eastern conference and, and I've waffled. So since it's my show, I'm going to make you make a prediction. I have to make a prediction about the Eastern <laughs> conference at this moment. Yeah. Yes. Good God. Let let me give you no prep. Let me just spring it on you right out out of the blue and just like, answer now, now, no. 
Um, okay, well, let's let's talk through this. I feel like we've been talking through most of most <laughs> well, of this. Stuff. Well, we've already gone an hour, and that would be another. And we talked. <laughs> let's say, yeah, let's talk through the Eastern Conference. Oh wait, yeah. we already did that. I can't. I can't pause uh, yeah. anymore. Um, at this moment, I would take the Sixers. Uh, I just, I just think they're they they present impossible matchup situations. They already look so good together. Uh, Joel Embiid is going to be probably the best, most destructive player in most series. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like that's it. James Harden is just another guy who I feel like on this on this team, um, James Harden has kind of learned what Trey Young can, needs to learn next to me, which is that it's really like heliocentrism is so cool, and you get great stats, and it's really fun to watch. But at the end of the day, like overdependence is not a good team for uh, not a good thing for a team on offense um and you, we kind of seen in two stops now James Harden is what since he's you know since he left the Rockets and left a scenario that was like that that you know put a lot of um you know ta- taxed him shot shots wise energy wise um and he was kind of like everything for for uh their offenses him and Chris Paul um Went into went to the Nets and was like way much more of a playmaker, um, and now is kind of trying to fit in this in this Sixers system that has a lot more movement than the teams that he's traditionally played for, and also like you know puts a lot into getting another guy in Joel Embiid involved in the spots that he likes, and you know not being five zero and stuff, and I think that's actually going to play out to his advantage because it's just going to like putting a dynamic player in a dynamic offense is just, you know, like we watched the Warriors, like that's what Steph Curry is. And not to say that, you know, James isn't going to move around in a system like that. Um, But it's, it just makes him, it just makes him more dangerous. And that pick and roll, man, like it's just already, you can just like Joel Embiid, who has like the, the, the softest hands in, in like the known universe for a big man. Like having trouble getting some of these passes because he's never caught them before, like in his in his NBA career, is really fun to watch. In that it kind of gives you a preview into what's coming when those basic things that they th- there there are certain things that you kind of hope they figure out, and there's certain things that are inevitabilities, right? Um, and I think these these two guys like figuring out how to play together in the pick and roll, like it's already happened, and it's just going to get better and better. Um, so yeah, that that is that is my pick today and if not them i'd probably go the bucks um what about you <sighs> yeah um i talked myself out of the celtics and it feels like the most celtics adjacent team is the heat but i i don't some just something like i i almost feel like in in like a playoff rock fight i almost trust tatum more than anyone on the heat to get good shots so I really? Yeah. So I think I I guess if I had to pick one team now, like knowing nothing about the Nets, like in terms of who they have, I'd probably agree with you. Um, one of the things that, you know, I think we've seen this already, and this is something that I kind of suspected would happen, is that I think they're going to find that one of their best ways to get Embiid the post touches he wants is to do it out of the pick and roll. Like so much of their problems in, in the playoffs has been – Last couple of years has been, okay, Joel's going to run down. He's going to set up on the left block. Some guy's going to push him in the lower back seven times. Uh, 
you know, there's going to be two guys digging down. The guy guarding the ball is not going to respect his jump shot. So he's going to, and, and he's going to sag off. And so this little lollipop of a pass that pulls him, you know, to 14 feet from the basket. And then he's got to go to work to try to get back to the basket or he, or sometimes just he'll turn face and settle for a jumper instead with, you know, coming off a of pick and roll, James Harden, he's kind of, you know, not sprinting, but moving towards the basket with the defender moving with him and can catch the ball with two feet in the paint on the move where his agility and strength, like give him just the huge advantage. And I just feel like that's, that's going to be, first of all, harder to scheme for. And second of all, just going to make him so much more effective as a, you know, as a, a, a kind of an advantage player. And I think, you know, that might lead to him shooting, you know, 16 free throws a game in, in the playoffs and, and people will, We'll say what they'll say about that, but I mean, he'll get fouled because, as you say, he can catch the ball on the move and in traffic, and then it's an enormous person with great agility and 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 footwork and and you know shooting touch is is getting the ball against a smaller player in the paint on the move with an advantage, and that's you know that's sort of how fouls happen. So it's not even like that he's going to be doing you know any any kind of egregious call seeking stuff though he probably will do some of that also so yeah i guess you've as of today not seeing you know there's all these caveats not seeing who's who's available and what they look like for the nets not knowing when brooke lopez is back for the bucks um not seeing how completely Derek white gels in with this with the with the celtics and, and kind of what their closing lineups look like not knowing all those things, I guess I, yeah, Philly is the one that, you know, the, the equation is the simplest. Like, hey, look, we've got these two guys and good, good talent around them. Like that's that, that may not be, that may not be an A plus team, but it's the only like A minus team that I'm sure of right now. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not even completely there because if you look at like the, the Heat and, and the Bucks, they are incredibly well situated to be able to handle both of those guys uh at least better than like at least as much as they can be handled but in the next week we've got and not all of like so not all of these games are going to matter because of injuries and road stuff and you know whatever but we've got heat nets um oh i'll I'll go with the heat actually that's sort of the simplest way to do it the heat play the bucks the nets and the sixers in their next five games um we're getting heats we're getting Nets Celtics and then we're getting like, you know, who knows who will be available, but uh, the potential Ben Simmons comeback uh, to, to, uh, to Philadelphia on March 10th There's, as well. There, so we might feel very different, you know what? differently about all you, of these things. In like you know what? Days, I've been you know? about a lot of things. There's no way Ben Simmons plays in that. Wow. Very Dan and green of you. Shoot or shoot. I, I, I just, I, you know, I, I would be, I would be shocked if, if Ben Simmons played in that game. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> that's, so, that's the. Yeah, I, I would be. Yeah, I would probably. I, I'd be pretty surprised. Um, I feel like there is like a little bit more urgency now as they, as they like continue to drop games. And it's just kind of, you know, watching, you know, watching those back to back games against the Raptors. It's just kind of a bad look. That Like, OK, KD is injured. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess he's supposed to be yeah. back. He's supposed to be back in the next couple of days, though. Okay. Okay. So look at we'll get, we'll have KD back. Um, but then like we've got like this sort of like Ben Simmons ramp up from an injury that we're not really one hundred percent sure 
or maybe it's just kind of like him playing basketball and like whatever it is. Um, You know, I I guess we'll see, but it's just kind of hilarious to watch um, the super team have no superstars. Yeah. Well, like you, like you, uh, like you said, at the end of the super team, um, so I've kept you about I've kept you about an hour, which is about how long I usually like to go. So I'll try to get you out of here in a second. Um, anything you want to plug? Any any uh, any final thoughts? Um, anything interesting you're working on that you can uh, you can tease? Um, I prefer not to tease, uh, just because you know, <laughs> uh, karma and, and car- karma being you know somebody else working on the same thing and being like ah, got a rush to get it out. That has happened to me before, uh, and it sucks. So. Um, but yeah, I'll, uh, I'll just, you know, listen, check out the answer. Uh, I, ho- I host the answer with, uh, with Chris Ryan at the ringer. Uh, we usually episodes usually post on, uh, on Fridays and we kind of try to take a sideways glance at the week. Um, you know, is whatever kind of, we gets talked about from, from Monday to Wednesday, we try to either kind of look at it through a different lens or just hit the stuff that didn't get talked about as much. What's uh, he he's he's a Philly guy. What's his level of uh, where, where's where's his hit at on on this season? Um, he it's it's this weird thing where I I feel like he sometimes just doesn't want to talk about it, but also just wants to talk about it a lot. Um, I have not actually we have not uh, podcasted. I wasn't. I actually I got a stomach bug last week. Um, I was hanging out with uh with uh with my nieces and the cool thing with hanging out with your nieces is everything except for the fact that they also bring home the weirdest stuff imaginable um from from school um so i i haven't had a chance to talk to him about like the the new look sixers but i imagine he's uh, and he and i imagine he's uncomfortable with how excited he is i um... i would I, yeah probably it's just kind of like <laughs> i don't know that sixers fans like have been able to really like be calm and excited at the same time about their team uh just because of like all the ups and downs sure well this was a lot of fun we'll have to if 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 i can ask maybe towards the start of the playoffs we can uh we can do this again and, and kind of see what we've learned in the last in the last month and uh and sort of update update our priors and see if i can actually like uh make a prediction <laughs> um yeah that would be really fun let's do it Cool. Well, uh, thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks, thanks for, for having thanks me. for making the time. And uh, great to chat with you as always. You too. All right, folks. I am off for the rest of the week. Uh, it is the Sloan uh, Sports Analytics Conference that I'm actually getting on a plane to go to in Boston in about four hours. So if you happen to be attending that conference, um, say hi. Otherwise, I will be back next week with uh, – I've got Chris Herring uh, next week. Um and uh, Adam Mares from DNVR to talk Nuggets and Nikola Jokic, among others. So I will speak to you uh, next week. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you.